We took the last couple weeks to kind of look at Holy Week, uh, triumphal entry, and Monday, Thursday, and the Last Supper, eventually Easter, uh, looking at the road to Emmaus. So we're back uh, to the Heaven series. We, if you were, I don't know how many of you were here for all of it, but we spent 20 weeks, uh, with three left, uh, on this series to kind of look at some of that. And most of these just come from questions uh, that people have. If you have your Bibles, uh, eventually we're going to work our way to uh, a book that we don't use much. I don't know, we probably should, but First Chronicles in chapter 25 is a text we'll look at. Um, this was the statement, I guess, that this whole uh, uh, sermon came from, is somebody saying, I'd rather be having a good time in hell than be bored in heaven. You know, and that's... Uh, it's interesting the way our culture looks at that. Uh, we looked at that early in the in the series. You know, I like that, you know, that Far Side cartoon. Uh, you guys know what Far Side? Gary Larson. If you can Google it, if you don't, um, he's the, you've got this guy, and he's on a cloud, and it's kind of bright, but it's sunny, and so he's in heaven, and he's looking around, and he's just kind of half frowning, and he says, "I wish I'd brought a magazine." You know, and that's kind of the way we look at heaven. You know, it's, it's just boring. And that's what my, you know, that's the, th is it boring? Is heaven boring? But I just wanted to hit this before, uh, before we even look at what heaven is, I think this is a really misguided view of hell. Uh, and I think we've talked about this before. The one who talks about hell the most in the Bible is Jesus, by far. I mean, it's not even close. Uh, and this is one of his mentions of it in Mark 9. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better you, for you to enter the life crippled than with two hands and go to hell to the unquenchable fire. It's one of the metaphors. You usually get two metaphors, fire and darkness. And we can talk about how that works and all that. And, and you know, I, I've, I've thought about I've actually sketched out maybe we should have a vote Although this is not a democracy, I don't know if you knew that. Um, it's a republic. No, uh, but the um, I've got a series sketched out on hell. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Uh, even got a neat title, but I don't know if it's it's too catchy. So, uh, but the idea th this is an important thing to think about because again we've talked about that in Easter. You know that Jesus is the Savior. Well, when you think about a Savior, that means you have to be saved. And if you're talking about being saved, you should ask from what. If there's nothing to be saved from, then what do we need a savior for? If, you know, the, the idea is out there in, in our culture and other cultures that, you know, we're all basically decent and as long as you don't royally screw up, um, you, you go to heaven or someplace, a better place, whatever you, you want to you put that. So there's really, you know, so we, if we come along or Jesus comes along and says, you know, you, you need to repent of your sins and, and turn to me. And you're saying, well, why would I want to do something like that? I already got, I'm already going or I mean, it doesn't make any difference. By I mean, you think about it, you know, Good Friday, it's like, why the cross if there's no problem? Why the cross? Jesus thought there was a problem. Uh, and again, hopefully, in case you don't know, this is metaphor. This is like, you know, you can think about, you know, if, if you're, and he talks about feet, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off, your eye, pluck it out. It's the idea, don't do things Go places, look at stuff if you're going, it's going to tempt you to sin. 
uh, and go away from God. But unquenchable fire. Um, what One thing, I guess a good definition of hell that I think everybody would agree with as a Christians is separation from God, which nobody here, and it's certainly here, but in the whole world is experiencing. They might not know him. They might be the worst atheist in the world, but God's common grace, you know, the sun still comes up for the atheist. I was going to say the rain falls, but appropriately for today, the snow falls on the just and the unjust. You know, so there's a common grace out there. That's gone in hell. Nobody's experienced that. So it's just kind of misguided. Uh, but don't you, I don't know, I feel that way sometimes. It's just like, you just got to think how bad it is, and then you'll want to. And I, I, Jesus kind of did that a little bit. In Second Peter, he's, uh, he's making a case that these bad teachers are going to be paying for their judgment. And so this is a long sentence, but in the middle. So for God did not spare the angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. And then he goes on and he didn't spare this. He won't spare you either if you're not going to follow Jesus. So, you know, darkness and fire, you know, again, that's not the point. I'll let God take care of that. The point is just you don't. You're separate. So it's, hell is much worse than people think it is, you know. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, you think about, I think I've said this before, but, you know, what's that other song? It's a polka, I think. This is an accordion, if you didn't know. Um, in heaven there ain't no beer. That's why we drink it here, you know. Uh, so that, that implies that, that heaven is boring, doesn't it? Yeah. But first of all, how do we get to heaven? You've probably seen this thing, this, this chart. They're out there. That's, what you, that's number one. That's always number one. It's, it's the mission of the church is to make sure people know. And we talked, I talked about this on Monday, Thursday, and a little bit on Easter. People are free to disagree with Jesus. They did with him, right? We just had that on our Saturday morning. I know some of you are here. The Saturday morning Bible study where the guy comes up and what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they talk about the commandments and then he says, sell all that you have and follow me. And he turns and walks away. He's like, eh, I was hoping this was going to be a fun meeting. You know, maybe you thought Jesus was boring. I don't know. But again, how, and it just comes down to this judgment of faith. That's the key. When you die, there's a judgment of faith. That, that you know, that's, the verses are there. You can grab it. And again, believe in Jesus, go to Heaven, don't go to hell. It's very simple in the gospel. Now, I'm not, I can ask how, how it makes you feel, and sometimes it makes me feel. I mean, I don't know. It, it, but again, please don't come up with your doctrine of life based on how you feel, because it won't work out. Feelings are great, but they usually come from information. So we always have to remember. And then again, you, know, you eventually have the second coming, and there's a judgment and these people who are here end up in the final heaven, which is what we're talking about now, and they get into the final hell, the, the lake of fire. Again, you know, I've heard people say, well, that just sounds, I just don't like that. It just sounds so binary. I'm just telling you what he said, dude. I mean, if, if you believe him, I mean, you know, I've got one and don't have it showing, but, you know, I've got a cross around my, why do I have a cross around my? Because it reminds me of what gets me out of this and into this. You know, that, that's the key. So always have that in the background when we're talking about this. But think about it. Believing heaven 
is boring implies that God is boring. Your conception of God, when I say that word, what do you think of? You know, we, we tend to do that, don't we? And, and that's fine. What, what do you imagine? What do you picture when I say God? Is it, which, you know, it kind of depends on where we are, I guess. But if God is somebody that you think is boring, I think you've got a problem. I mean, I, you read the encounters people have with you. We had that in the walk to Emmaus. You remember what happened? They're listening to him. They don't, he's, they're hidden. They don't know who he is, who Jesus is. And then he breaks the bread and their eyes were open, then he disappears. And they say, we're not our hearts burning within us while he revealed the scriptures to us. You think they were bored when he did that? When you, you know, I talked about, when you do things for God, when you encounter God, you will not be bored. You might be convicted, you might feel guilty, you might feel unworthy, and you might just feel loved. Hopefully it, it gets to that. But you won't be bored. And I've said that before, you know, it's kind of a, uh, but the idea, you know, if you're worshiping God and following him and you're not having fun, you're doing it wrong. And that doesn't mean you have fun all the time. We go through tough times. I realize that. But this, we buy into this I lie that if you want to have fun, you have to sin. Don't we? It's just like, you know, well, we'll, you know, live like hell until Saturday night and then come on Sunday and get it all cleaned up. It's like, you know, that's out there. That we have to, if we're going to have fun, we have to sin. You know, and, and this is in the, in the Psalms twice, the Proverbs once, in Psalm 14. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. You know, the foolish one is the one who doesn't believe. But a lot of people who say they believe there is a God act like he doesn't exist when they live their life. And it, it seems to me that when we do this, and we all do it probably in our lives to some extent, we must think when we sin that our idea of doing the thing that God sees is wrong is more fun or more makes us more content than not doing it. And so a prayer that you'd always pray Lord, help me have the same desire that you do. Help me see the things that you want as life-giving, joyful, and I dare I say fun, maybe not boring. Um, because if we're bored with this, I think we just have a bad conception of God. You know, who invented wit, humor, and laughter? I mean, there's different gifts, right? Different gifts that people have. You, you, you've got um, different activities that are out there. Um, you know, you, you've got a list in 1 Corinthians 12 of gifts. You've got a, a list in Romans 12. You've got a short list in Ephesians 4 of spiritual gifts. You know, and, and I don't know if you've ever done that, but you can kind of try to figure out what your spiritual gifts are. It's kind of hard. Usually it's somebody else will probably tell you. But, you know, I found out I had two really important gifts. I had the gifts of sarcasm and apathy. <laughs> I don't know if those are spiritual gifts, but they might be, you know. And especially the second one, not so much. How does it go? Um, somebody told me I was too apathetic, but I didn't care. Let that sink in just for a minute. But the idea, but, but, but think about, you know, you get different gifts of doing different things and working and all those things. Uh, you know, I always uh, knew that we had people who were good at craftsmanship in our, in our church. Um, but I didn't know that they were also good at prophecy because I thought when Phil put up these 
coat things, we wouldn't need them. It's spring. What are you doing? Who would wear a coat now? And then poof. I didn't know you were a prophet. Good job. You know, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. It, but the, the different gifts we have, we try to find the gifts, you know, of, of what we have. You know, like I was talking with the kids, and we'll talk about music and the gifts to give those. But working, when you think about the way we are now, it's a toil. You know, you go back to Genesis 3, the, the curse on Adam was that the ground will not produce like it would in Eden. You know, can you think of the tomatoes in Eden? could have a heck of a BLT. Well, a B, I don't know about the, the bacon part, the whole Jewish thing. We'll have to work through that one. Uh, what's, the, what's the one from Princess Bride? MLTs, mutton, lettuce, and tomato. Yeah, uh, That would be lamb, so we could do that, I think. So, But that's the thing. We, you know, I was talking to uh, Bob about planting and some of you guys, you know, getting ready to plant and all this kind of stuff. And we've set it up. It goes pretty well. Don't think this curse means that you can't do anything. I mean, we've got uh, a, a bounty in Iowa to be able to, to grow stuff. Uh, but it's just a pinprick of what we'll have and what we can do. All the God-honoring work, the hobbies, that create, they're going to continue and they'll last and they won't be tainted by sin. It's, you know, imagine that. It's not going to be boring. I mean, if you are a farmer or, you know, I assume there's parts of it. It's just like any job that you're like, eh, you know, especially harvest. It probably gets a little long once in a while. But don't you feel like, oh, this is, you know, I'm doing what I'm kind of created to do here. God's blessing it. And, uh, you know, that's really, well, how much more? Because we think about let's do the things in life now that we can carry on, you know, the treasures in heaven. So this is an analogy that's in uh, Elkhorn's Heaven book. It's do we have a lifeboat or an arc theology of life? And I showed, a, I don't know if that's a Titanic right there. Um, that's a, uh, so sinking. You can see some lifeboats. It's maybe a little hard to see there. Um, what's, a, what's a lifeboat theology? It's, well, we're Christian. We believe in Jesus. We know that eventually Jesus is coming back because we've seen the chart. And we're just going to kind of wait till that happens and just kind of, you know, I don't know, moan and groan and kind of just work through it because, you know, God's obviously boring. And we just keep, we just do the lifeboat because the world is a Titanic. It's all going to hell in a handbasket, as they say. And we some, some people do that. And a lot of times those people are grumpy Christians. Uh, and that's, you know, we can all be grumpy Christians. But, uh, but the idea of the ark theology is different. Are we here to just kind of deal with creation just because we have to, waiting for the new creation so we, then we can really have fun? Or are we trying to do things here as best we can to be stewards over the creation and what we're responsible for here? The lifeboat theology says just get, only thing we're here for, the church for, is to get out of hell. The ark theology is, is like we're going to take creation with us. You know, we're going to make a difference. We're going to do things here that honor God and take it with us. If you're thinking the ark is, and then we get to the new heaven and then, and then let, let them go, you know. Because you think about, do we give up on this life and just have kind of a doomsday theology? Or do we live for God as if our work will endure? I think it's a big difference in life. You know, I, I mean, we can all have grumpy days, but if our whole life as a Christian is grumpy, we're missing the point. I mean, Paul says it, doesn't he? Rejoice in the Lord. 
And if you didn't hear it, again, I say it, rejoice. You know, there's supposed to be joy even through the sorrow that we have. And the things you do today, it's not just, I don't think the lifeboat theology works. Because the things we do for God now will endure into the future. You know, in our life, not, you know, if, if, if you think about it, wouldn't God just kind of have us here for about 10 seconds and get it over with? You know, you're born like Adam, you know, boom, you know, mud, in, there you are. And then, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, okay, dead, next. But that's not what he does. There is, there is a longevity to it. We start having that relationship with God who's not boring here, and then it continues into the new heaven and the new earth when he does come back. In Genesis 9, after the, after the ark, he plants a vineyard, you know, Joe, they're gonna, we're going to do good things. You know, there's a lot of things in our lives we can be thankful for. And like I said, everybody gets a spiritual gift. You know, trying to figure out what that is sometimes is hard. We'll look at a guy at the very end who figured out what his was, and his words are kind of cool. Um, but remember, the best is yet to be. You know, are we doing things in this life that we can use in the next? This kind of what this comes down. So I hope you don't have a lifeboat theology. Yes, it's important to not go down with the Titanic. But I think there's so much out there today. I call it doomsday theology. You know, people say, well, it's getting worse. It's like, well, it kind of depends on your perspective. Do you want to go back in the medieval times and deal with their plumbing? Plumbing's gotten better, hasn't it? I mean, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you ever thought about that. If you, if you had, you know, a chance to go back in time and see Jesus, be prepared for some smells you're not used to that time. You know, we've done a lot better with that. There's things, now there's, it, I'm not saying it's all good. That's not the point. Don't focus on that. I don't know if the world is better or worse. If you, it depends on how you look at it. But are we, what are we supposed to do as followers of Christ? Walk around, you know, live in a cellar all the time with stuff over our head? Or are we supposed to enjoy what we have, make disciples, and do things that honor God. I think the second one's fairly... Again, remembering the best is yet to be. And science and technology, I assume it'll keep coming, keep going. I mean, these are good things. You know, there could be no science or technology without imagination and experimentation. That's what we do. You know, this iPad was probably in the mind, and oddly enough, of a guy that wasn't a believer. <laughs> But yet here I am, we're going to get to chapter 25 of 1 Chronicles, using it to honor God. You know, you can do it. You know, we, people talk about social media and all this stuff. Yes, it's, it can be bad, but that, it doesn't have to be. The computer doesn't know what's moral. It's the people who use it that make the difference. So to 1 Chronicles, if you have it, this is interesting because this is a, uh, we don't use this much, and, and I've got a heading, I've got the ESV, which I'm reading from, this is the first eight verses here, and we're not, I'm not going to read all the names because, uh, well, because I don't want to, so there, there you go. Uh, but this, this is interesting, I have a heading that says, David organizes the musicians. I mean, doesn't that just sound cool? What did you talk about at the sermon? Well, we talked about David organizing the musicians. It's like, and then we watched the paint dry. That was fun. Yeah. I, after this, you're like, I thought he said God wasn't boring. God's not boring, but apparently Pastor Brian is. You know, maybe that's. 
Well, David and the chiefs of service also set apart for the service the sons of Asaph. And that's an interesting, I don't know if you knew that, but the sons of Asaph wrote 12 of our Psalms. But it goes on, it talks about, you know, they, they prophesied with lyres and harps. That, I love that verse, because we get prophesied all messed up. We think prophesying is telling the future. No, that's soothsaying, sorcery. Prophesying is essentially telling who God is and revealing God's great glory. You can do that with a lyre and a harp. And it goes on and with symbols. And you go on and you get in the sons of Asaph and you come down to the, the verse 4 and more people. But then verse 3, who prophesy with the lyre and giving thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. The sons of Heman in verse 5, they wrote one of the Psalms. Um, they were all under the direction of their father and the music and the house and the harps and the lyres for the service of God. It goes down, the number of them along with their brothers who were trained in singing to the Lord, all who were skillful was 288. Now we could get into what does that, you know, let's, let's see, 288, let's see, divide that by 2, it's 144, and then uh, take the square root, you get 12. Ooh. I think it just ended up being, they had 287, another guy showed up. Um, but think about, this is important. I don't know if you're thinking about this, but th most of the songs were written by these people. David wrote 75 of them. I mean, when you had the billboard charts back then, you know, David was on the top 10 almost all the time. You think Elvis had a lot of hits. This dude, 75. Well, probably, Elvis probably had more than that. But this is, this is music. This is, God, you know, the idea of music being something that is what was in the Old Testament, and then we see it come through. In, in Isaiah 38, this is actually Hezekiah talking, the Lord will save me and will play my music on stringed ender all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. So that's the temple. So we had music in the temple. And then I, you probably, you might miss this one, but after Monday, Thursday, Commandment Thursday, uh, when they, when Jesus leaves the upper room and they start going the Kid Run Valley, they sing a hymn. If, but it, it, it's a participle. You guys don't know what a participle is? You need to get some English it's a nouny verb. This was, a, they're the hymn singing ones. You know, so I don't know, you know, I, I don't know, what do you think? Probably Andrew's a little baritone. John, probably a little bit more tenor. I don't know. I wonder if they had any instruments. I don't know. But, but the idea, they went out to the Mount of Olives singing a hymn. Do you know what the word hymn means? I think this is funny. I always like to do this. Because I've heard people say, whether well, we do, you know, certain churches do hymns, other churches do praise songs. Right? Which ones do we do? We do both. Why? Because you know what hymn means? Praise song. It's a praise song. They were singing a praise song. Uh, wonder which one they were doing. Amazing grace, my change. No, I don't know which one. But the thing, you know, the idea of music being part, even Jesus singing. You think Jesus had a good voice? What if he didn't? Wouldn't that be weird? <laughs> would that be sinful? No, hope not. We'd all be, a lot of us would be in trouble. Yeah. Then in Revelation 14, this is in heaven. And this is where you get the other Gary Larson cartoon where the guy's up there strumming an instrument. And I heard the sound from heaven like the roar of a mighty ocean waves of the rolling of thunder 
It was like the sound of many harpists. Is that how you say that? Harpi, playing together. This is where you get the harps in heaven. Um, And the great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne and God before the four living beings and the 24 elders. So new songs. And that, you know, you need to think about that. Much of the music and songs that we do now are going to carry into heaven. You know, I saw you guys sing, and I think some of you actually were moving. We'll talk about that in a minute. When you were, you know, be careful because, you know, if you worship with songs that you like, you might actually enjoy yourself. Might not be boring. Because music is often transcendent. That word means it kind of other than us. I know it is for me. I, lo- I love listening to it. I tried, I tried really hard to listen to classical music, but I, I, just, I, I still don't get it. There's too much stuff going on. Uh, but there's so much of that that just transcends. Well, think about it. If, if I said, and I'm not going to do this, Benjamin, but if I said, let's just read the words to the last two songs. Well, let's do the democratic thing. Let's vote on whether we'll read them or sing them. Which one do you want to do? Yeah, we got a couple boring people that'll do read. But most people are going, there's something about music. There's something about, and we've never found the music to to these psalms. I know like uh, Psalm 22, I just remember that because it's, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a, a psalm about crucifixion and Jesus and really cool, but it says to the doe of the dawn. That's the tune. I wonder what that was like. You know, it, it, we don't have that. But, you know, have you ever thought why we didn't get the music? I think I know. Well, at least I have a good guess. That God decided to continue to gift people with musical talent. And you know how many songs were written with the Psalms as the lyrics now? And they're not going to stop. Maybe if we had the music, we'd say, well, we got to do that music. You know. But no, it, that's the thing. It's one of the things I just, I'm always so proud of about our church is that we use this talent more than any, by far anybody else in the county. I mean, if you've if you got musical talent, we're like, this is probably a place to be. You know, we don't, I don't know, we might be, and I don't know for sure, obviously. I tend to attend this church a lot more than others. <laughs> but drums are not, you know, and again, it's nothing again. that's not the point. You know, people can, some people like drums, some people don't, that's up to them. But you can use your talents here because we value it at a very high level. Um, Aaron's going to shoot me, but he's not here. Ha <laughs> ha. Um. I don't know if this and you guys who know music better than I do. I mean, be, can we get some brass in there? I don't know. Maybe we can do that little, they put the white thing on the end, you know, that type of stuff. I don't know. Just thinking out loud. But again, the, the idea of is, you know, music is, it brings us to a new level of emotion and soul. I mean, have you ever been, I got the privilege of doing this. When I was in Keokuk, there was a national cemetery. And if you look at a national cemetery, everybody gets one of those white, everything's the same. I really liked it because you went to a uh, the veterans, whether it was a veteran or a spouse of a veteran, you would, you would come in and there was a really nice place with a, with a, a cement. And, a, and it, so no matter what the weather was, 
he was already, and then they took later and, and did the burial. But uh, we had this guy in Keokuk that played the bagpipes. And when he started Amazing Grace, and I, I'm not going to try to you, let your mind do it, no words, just the music. I want a dry eye there. Or, and this one isn't even necessarily Christian per se, have you ever been to a bugler who does taps? I think there is lyrics to that, but it, it doesn't, you don't need them. It touches our souls at such a high level. And I look around, and you're, some of you maybe don't like music as much as you like, and that's fine. But for most of us, it can change us, and it's going to continue. God created this. There's going to be new songs. I mean, who knows? The, think of the music that just transcends your life, and that, that's going to get better. And that's not boring. If you go home and listen to some music that you really like, you won't be bored. And I think that's the part that shows us what's going to be happening in the new heaven and the new earth. Never be bored, you know. And when you guys are playing or singing and using the gifts that God has given you to honor him, there's a level of connection with God that is just almost, it's very transcendent. It's hard to explain. And that's true. You know, we've got people that teach kids. We've got people that put up coat racks. We've got people that vacuum the carpet. We've got people that, I think we've got somebody that preaches once in a while. I mean, we've got all these things that we do. And when you do them to honor God, it's just, just a level of connection. And, that's, and we're just getting a little bit of that now. We'll get so much more later. It's not boring. And if it's not boring, you got to dance, right? Is there dancing? Will there be dancing in heaven? You know, why, why is it that in the 40s and 50s, certain churches said don't dance? It wasn't the dancing that was the problem, was it? Is it went right around the dancing? It's kind of back to the, you know, heaven there ain't no beer type thing. It's not the beer that's the problem. It's the drunkenness that's the problem, Right? That's, God created dancing. You know, you get this in Psalm 30. You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. It's used as a metaphor. You have taken away my clothes of mourning and clothed me with joy. This is the idea of, of, of dancing. And again, certainly you can take anything. You can take music. Uh, there's some music that, that may not be God-honoring. That won't, that won't go. But you get this. All, you know, David danced before the Lord, you know. His wife didn't care for it too much, but you can read about that later. But the, but the idea, you know, but think about it. I, I'll be the first to admit, it's like if I said, well, we're going to have some dancing now. Really? <laughs> Again, you just have to go with the culture you're in. But the I, that, this thing is, is getting, you know, you think about it, one of the, uh, and I could have put that up there, one of the times when, the, when Jesus healed a, a lame person, he, he danced, you know. So I think that's, again, if it honors God, it'll continue, you know. I think uh, I remember when I was in college, you know, all that uh, disco stuff and, and uh uh, Delaney's not in here, but boy, that brings back memories. That stuff she's got. If you see Delaney Ulrich today, 
It's like 1977 is where those pants came from. I know. <laughs> I was going to say something. She's not here, so she won't be embarrassed. But, that's, but, but I remember we, were, we all learned how to break dance, and I'm not going to do it now because I'm, I have 59-year-old knees. But, uh, but, but I think, again, it was very fun to do, uh, to do those things. So, again, dancing, especially with a partner, is, it's cool. I mean, you, kinda, you can see it. What is that? It's on TV, uh, dancing a... Uh, Dancing with the stars, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a part of our culture. But again, the stuff that go around it, and that's why people didn't do it. It's like card playing, you know. Ugh. I thought you could play 500 and not go to hell, but apparently, <laughs> you know, again, what are you doing at the card playing? Are you gambling? Are you acting untoward God? No, but if you're just, you know. I think cribbage was invented by a Christian. I don't know, we'll look it up. But, I mean, again, what are you doing? You're sitting around paying bridge with two couples, that can be a good thing, right? And don't make the bets very high, right? 1-800-BETS-OFF. Um, so what about storytelling? You know, well, we have that. You know, wouldn't it be neat to have Lazarus give us a story? Or how about the woman who reached out and touched the hem of his garment and the 18-year-old illness went away? Wouldn't it be cool to listen to her version of that? Or anything you want to listen to. What it would be like, you know, for, for people who were, you know, heading to the hills when Jerusalem was getting destroyed because Jesus told them to get out of town. It'd be interesting to hear that. What was it like for Paul to be in jail? I mean, what was it, you know, all these stories. We get these eyewitness accounts. We can read history, but... So art, drama, entertainment, you know, all this mystery and beauty... And anticipation, you know, it's the idea that, that it's all God's creation. This is good. You know, I think there'll still be novels written. I think there'll still be paintings done because I think it'll honor God. I don't, I don't, I don't think in some ways the new heaven and new earth will be that much different than this one. Other than there's no sin, we'll have direct access to God, and we'll never die and never deteriorate and never have 59-year-old knees. Okay, there's quite a bit difference. I, I just, I didn't, yeah, but, you, it, but as far as there'll still be the same activities, I think. And laughter, you know. I don't try to make you laugh. You guys are just goofy. <laughs> it's fun, isn't it? I mean, it, it, without laughter. You, did you think Jesus ever laughed? Oh, my gosh. I mean, he had those nitwits following him for three and a half years. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because we always do that, you know, you get the, the door, word is dull. I mean, that's the translation. I always like the S translate, stupid. Um, but you always think Jesus is, you know, or are you so dull like that? It's like, it's like what is up with you guys? Well, are you that silly? You know, I mean, I could say, why can't he laugh at it? You know, it's like, there's a quote, and I want to see if you can get this quote right, who, who said this. Uh, if you're not allowed to laugh in heaven, I don't want to go there. You know, this gets attributed to Mark Twain. You know who said it? Martin Luther. Is that Martin Luther back? Is he in our midst? Yeah. But that's, you know, if you're not allowed to laugh, you know, that again, we just think about the, the laughter. Not laughter, you know, there's, there's that <laughs> laughter. And then there's the belly laughter. You know, it's just... I think we got to think about it. 
C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. If there's joy, there's, it's not going to be pouring. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. That's, that's a, a Luke's kind of version of the Beatitudes. So kind of neat. What about sports and competition? You going to have that? Have you ever thought about that? Because I've heard people, well, everybody will hit a home run. Everybody gets a hole in one. Everybody can pole vault, you know, 37 meters or whatever it is. That would be up there. Um, is that true? Is everybody going to, am I going to be able to sing like Kelly and Benjamin? That would have to be a miracle. I, I, again, I think we'll still be different, won't we? And is it always bad to lose? It is when you're sinful and you're trying to demean your opponent and all that kind of stuff. But that's probably happened before. I remember, well, Marcus is here, I remember I was always, I could just whoop that guy in tennis. Then he turned 12. No, I, don't know, was, I don't know if it was quite that early. But, but, but I'll tell you, you know, we, when you were, I don't know, you can tell him what age, but when it, was, it was the point where we were very evenly matched. And sometimes he would win, sometimes I would win. And that was just fun. And I, I guess I don't even remember what the record was. I probably will embellish it the wrong way. But, but it was just, even when I lost, it was just fun to play. And it meant something. Because, you know, if you won, you, 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 you did something well. And if you know if you lost, you tried hard. Why can't that be that way in heaven? There's no sin. I mean, the Cardinals can't go 160, you know, and the Cubs. You know, I mean, I, I think we, we miss that. We kind of think that we'll, we'll just be unlimited. No, it, it will be no sin, but we're, we're still finite. We'll still have that. And I think it'll still be fun. I think it'll be challenging to do this, some of the things we do. And this is the quote, and we end kind of with this part, but, you know, Chariots of Fire, you've probably seen the, either read the book or watched the movie, and Eric Liddell, remember, he didn't want to run on Sunday, and he changed his race, and all that, and there's a really neat uh, faith story there. But I love this quote, and you've probably heard it, but, you know, he's talking about God. He made me fast, and when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And you can take out run and put in sing, or, or play, or paint, or... Whatever. To give up running would be to hold him in contempt. Because I'm not using the gift that he gave. And you think that's going to stop in heaven? I, I, I think he's, it's going to be even. We will run and not be weary. But we might still run a lot slower than other people. So the gifts and abilities and passions you have now is not going to be throttled by the curse of sin. That's the key. You're still going to be different. You're going to have different abilities, different uh, talents. And we'll end with the verse from 1 Corinthians. This is what the scriptures mean, this mystery, if you go earlier, this mystery that's been revealed. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You don't want to be in hell. Everybody who goes there will figure that out quickly. But you're not going to be bored in heaven. Let us pray. Father, we look into these scriptures and this music that's played and the laughter and the dancing and the joy and how we see just, just we encounter you just a little bit and it makes all the difference in the world. I just pray for each one here as they go out into the week uh, and just remember that they've all been given ways to, 
connect with you and others, uh, thank you. Uh, may they feel that. May they try to do things here with an arc theology, try to do the things that make a difference in their lives and the people around them, knowing that everything we do that gives you glory will carry on into a place with no sin, no pain, no sighing, and a direct connection with you. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.